0: Today we continue our sermon series, Tighten the Knot, a series on marriage. And uh, just like I said last week, it's important for all of us to actually be here in this room. You might say, well, I'm single, I'm widowed, I'm a teenager. The reality of it is for all of us that are here, opening up God's word and understanding what it says about marriage and the things that we need to work on when it comes to married couples is valuable. Um, For those of you that are single, you have friends that are married. And they may be uh, believers, and they, may be, maybe, they might be struggling in their marriage, and they might come to you and talk about it, and they might say, what do you think, even though you're single? And if you understand what God's word says, you have an ability to actually help them and point them to Jesus in the midst of the struggles they may be having in their marriage. For those of you guys that were married for a while, now that you're a widow, there is no other person I know of that may have the wisdom, the lifelong wisdom of saying this is what it was like in my marriage. For those of you that are teenagers, eventually, Lord willing, you may be married one of these days. And so now's the time where you can begin to saturate your mind and your heart with God's word in regards to what it says about relationships and marriage. And so we talked this about this idea of tightening the knot. What does it look like to be intentional in your marriage to tighten the knot, to tighten the relationship of the vow that you made um, as husband and wife? And how so easily the things that God wants us to do, we at times don't do. And what happens is those knots begin to loosen. And unfortunately, sometimes they unravel because we have an enemy that is coming after marriages. That's just the reality. Um, We've experienced it in in our church ever since uh, we've kind of come out of this COVID era. Marriages have been hit hard. And so we're in the process of just looking at God's word and asking the question, what does it look like in regards to communication, um, dating and intimacy? What does it look like in regards to finances and selflessness? And so we're going to keep coming back to um, a couple things. And the first one is this we talked about last week, habit number one. Would you be willing to start having Jesus-centered and significant conversations daily? Oftentimes when I'm meeting with people, it seems like these conversations about Jesus and significant conversations, they only come out of a reaction of when the relationship isn't going well all of a sudden these are the things that start getting talked about when in all reality like jesus invites us to have significant conversation with our spouse every single day and at the core of it what we're trying to do is we're trying to do what this next graphic kind of shows it's a it's a picture of a husband and wife relationship that are both pursuing jesus as the foundation of their marriage remember jesus is the one that invented marriage god invented marriage um, and so, for us as believers, we have to decide: Are we going to put Jesus as the foundation of our marriage, through all the different life's ups and downs, the different things that we think, the different things that we feel? Are we are we continually working on understanding who is God and who am I, and what responsibility do I have in this union of what we call? marriage and so i love this quote says the strength of your love depends far more on your beliefs about god than your actual feelings and feelings are important we're going to talk more about those next week but the reality of it is is feelings follow actions and actions are actually rooted in our beliefs and so why do we do the things we do because it's about what we believe about jesus and about god and about who i am and what part i'm actually supposed to play in this marriage relationship um, I, I don't know about you but uh, I have noticed that men and women communicate very differently. Have you noticed that? Amen. Um, <laughs> men are more like point A to point B communicators. Women are like A J K Z L, like just all over the place, right? And then eventually we get to A to Z, right? And and the women are already angry with me already about that reality. Um, Just even in regards to studies, like women use more words during the day than men do, right? And have you ever experienced this where maybe um, you know two guys, two guys that go out together and they go hunting together for the weekend? And you come back, and you talk to your wife about how did it go, and like, oh, it was a good weekend, and like, what did you talk about? and like, oh, we talked about work, and, you know, some of the things we're working on together in regards to some products that we're putting out, and, and then your wife goes, well, did John talk about, you know, the fears or worries they have about their first pregnancy? And husband looks and goes, they're pregnant? <laughs> right and then now the fight begins right it's like what do you mean you didn't know they were pregnant I didn't know they were pregnant like, we were just talked about work and hunting like communication is a thing that we have to learn to get good at on both sides of the relationship right um, husbands learning how to communicate well and wives learning how um, to help us learn how to communicate right what does God's word say about communicating uh, I want to open up to First Peter First Peter uh, chapter 3. And I just want to tell you as we move into 1 Peter chapter 3, um, just want to tell you this really quick story. Me and my wife, even though honestly being a pastor, like you, you have to be good at communicating on multiple different levels. Like not only from preaching, but in meetings, counseling, like communication is like one of the major parts of being a pastor, Right? I still am not good at communicating. So let me just give you one example of how this works this last week. Have you ever been in a place where you're in the middle of a fight with your spouse and you're asking one of two questions? What in the heck are we fighting about? And number two, are we really fighting about this? Like this stupid thing? And it popped up again for me this last week where I'm eating dinner with my family and I just have this weird thing. Like, I'm more than willing to share my food, but not when you're eating off my plate. Am I the only one here that's like that? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm willing to share, but don't stab at my food with your fork. And, and I did not do a good job of communicating to my wife how I feel about this. And so I finally, as I got to a place of frustration, I just said, just take what you want. Just take what you want in regards to my food. And she didn't like that, and she said, I just would like it if you would tell me what it is you want, why you want it, and you would do it kindly. And that's the battle right there. Tell me what you want, why do you want it, and do it kindly. How do we do that? 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to start with talking to the husbands. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Husbands... In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Everybody say considerate. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner. I already already know. There's like, ooh, what does that mean? Peter's talking from a, a general broad stroke that in all reality, husbands physically are more Stronger than women for the most part. Every now and then, that's not the case. As my son has realized in sixth grade arm wrestling, there's a girl that beat him in arm wrestling this week. And he was like, how did that happen? I go, son, just sometimes it happens, okay? (laughs) But Peter says, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs, everybody say "heirs." heirs. Heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. And this is really important. Why? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. The word considerate is the Greek word gnosin. It means wisdom and understanding. It means to approach with intelligence. To approach with intelligence. David Walls puts it this way. To live with your wife and demonstrate wisdom suggests a deep desire to understand and your wife to get to know her at more than just a surface level it suggests a sensitivity to her needs and a desire to respond to these needs knowledgeably and all the wives are saying amen right to actually be known but not to be known on a surface level but to be known in a deep deep way husbands how well do you know your wife how well do you know her? We're gonna talk about this even more next week, but how, how well do you do in pursuing your wife and understanding her in a deep, deep way after you've caught her? <laughs> like, we're married. I did all the hard work, we're good to go. No, like, it's just the beginning of understanding how your wife is made. The reality of it is, is when it comes to knowing your wife and understanding her in a deep way and being considerate of her and her needs and her desires and her wants, here's the thing. There's roadblocks that keep us from moving into that. And the first roadblock that I want to call, it's called uh, lazy ignorance. Lazy ignorance. There's ignorance where you just don't know, right? And, and that look that all those husbands have of we just don't know or we're just kind of clueless, it's that look of like, you guys know what look I'm talking about? It's like, ah, uh, right? Like, it's that look. That happens to us as husbands often, okay? But here's the thing. There's a difference between that and being lazy in our ignorance. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, intentionally choosing to be, uh, And the Lord is asking you, to look at your heart and say, like, are you being ignorant in your knowledge of your wife intentionally? Is there laziness as to how you interact with your wife? And here's the thing. There's almost like, I don't know, a cultural piece to this. That it seems like that idea of being lazy and being lazy and ignorance, like, is, is encouraged in our society. And I just want to just give you this example. I just kind of spent some time thinking about culture and about me growing up. And as I was thinking about me growing up and all the different shows that I watched, trying to think about like, in what show was the husband and the father like not lazy, not lazy in his ignorance and actually was like, Smart and and, and intelligent and wise and actually was considered like a guy that you go, man, I want to be like that guy. I look back and if I remember correctly, like constantly making fun of dads who are clueless. Have you noticed that? (laughs) And I had to go way back and the only guy that I can really remember that was like that was Andy Griffith from the Andy Griffith show that was like, that guy had it together. Now, I know there was a show called Leave it to Beaver and I saw it a little bit but like I don't really remember that show (laughs) but I hear that that's a guy right but the rest of them are kind of just clueless and it's like encouraged husbands like this is not what God calls us to be considerate of your wives be intelligent with them pursue them understand them Choose to actually ask the question, What does my wife need from me? What would it look like if you asked that question every day to learn, but eventually, this is what they really want. They want us to just be able to see it and act on it. That's always asked. Um, this last week, it, it's a small thing of like an area that I'm trying to grow in as a husband but my wife she's working now she's she's not just part-time she's almost almost full-time and so it's been a little bit stressful in the midst of that transition Uh, we're trying to get our home operating at a new level with her working more Um, our kids are becoming more independent so we have that ability for her to do that and so um, it's been a little bit stressful And I've noticed that. And so the other day, I actually had a meeting that got canceled and I had a little bit of free time and it was um, uh, late in the morning for for me, and so it was about 8.30 and she was coming to work and she works just right down the road. And I just thought to myself, you know what, how can I be considerate of her? How can I serve her today? How can I let her know that she's loved today? And I thought about when we first started dating. She used to leave work, her lunch work, all the way over on East Boise and drive all the way to Meridian when I worked at Moxie Java. And I would give her a white chocolate mocha, my only free drink at work I would give to her. Bonus points, right? And she liked white chocolate mocha, but she liked the powder white chocolate mocha, not the syrup white chocolate mocha. Unfortunately, they don't make that anymore. So what does she like now? She likes uh, the cold brews with the sweet cream. Anybody a fan of the cold brew? Yeah. Why did I do that? She goes, why did you do that? I go, I just, I'm thinking about you. I know it's been stressful. I want you to know that I love you. And so what does it look like for you to be considerate of your wife, to recognize where she's at, to meet her where she's at, to love her, to encourage her? What causes your heart to be inconsiderate toward your spouse? And do you recognize what happens when we live that way Peter says, your prayers are hindered. I see it this way. Maybe one of these days, my daughter will get married. And if my son-in-law comes to me and says he wants to have a conversation with me, but I'm hearing about how he's treating my daughter in an inconsiderate way, do you think I want to have a conversation with this guy? No. What I want to do is say, you need to go work stuff out with my daughter. I think that's how it is with God. Because it's his daughter. He's inviting you to be considerate of her. Roadblock number two. Roadblock number two in us having good communication and considerate of one another is pride in your own heart. Um, Examples of pride. Um, I want to talk to the wives really quick. Um, us husbands, we're sometimes clueless. We're learning. We're trying to figure out how to communicate. Um, but there's going to come a moment where he may come and ask for forgiveness for his lack of in consideration towards you. Are you willing to forgive him? Are you willing to forgive him? Or are you going to hold on to bitterness? Are you going to hold on to being right? Or are you willing to... To forgive. And maybe it doesn't get to just that posture. Maybe it doesn't get to that um, level of, of communication quickly. Because sometimes, us as husbands, like, we're too prideful to come and ask for forgiveness. And so, what we do is we, we begin to cooperate in attempting to bridge back the relationship. You guys are laughing right now, right? Like, you know this. Are you open to him talking and are you cooperating with him as he's trying? to bridge the relationship back. Are you choosing to fight for the relationship or are you choosing to fight to be right? This is the core issue of pride. I'm right, you're wrong, and that might be true. But it has to start somewhere where we start to communicate and actually work through the problems and being open to one another. This is actually what I believe the inner beauty that uh, Peter talks about earlier in 1 Peter chapter 3 as he's talking to wives. This is what inner beauty actually looks like it's a willingness to forgive. Roadblock number three is the fear of vulnerability. This is the reality of what keeps us from being considerate with one another and actually communicating with one another. What does that mean, the fear of vulnerability? It's this reality I'm not being fully honest with you and you're not being fully honest with me. What does that look like? I can't be honest about insert sin, insert a concern. I can't be honest about this thing because I'm barely holding on to the little piece I have in my marriage. Have you ever been there? You hold back because you're afraid of the conflict that's brewing or that's in front of you. And the reality of it is communication doesn't get better by just holding back. Communication gets better when we actually are are vulnerable and honest using I statements about what's going on inside of each other. Maybe it's this, this fear of vulnerability. I'll fix myself, then I'll go to my husband and wife and tell them what I'm actually dealing with. And I just want to invite you into this conversation. Does it work with Jesus in regards to that? It doesn't. We don't fix ourselves and then come to Jesus The same is true in our marriage. We don't fix ourselves and then come to our spouse. This is where this idea of of sanctification and holiness takes place in regards to us actually coming and being honest and open with one another and beginning the process of, of really confronting the lies that we believe. If you really think about it, I can't be honest. I'll fix myself, then I'll come to my wife or my husband. Those are lies that the enemy are perpetuating in order for you to separate in your marriage. He actually wants you to come together. And the reality is that communication with the enemy, it will impact your communication with your spouse. So if you hold back from your spouse, it will impact your marriage. Because what it is, is you're actually having more of a conversation with the enemy than you are with your spouse. Another way to put it is, Ryan Frederick puts it this way, love cannot abide where honesty is absent. Love cannot abide where honesty is absent. So what do we do with these things that are roadblocks to communication? What do we do with the sin of lazy ignorance, pride, the fear of man in regards to fear of vulnerability? James tells us what we're supposed to do. James chapter five says this, "'Is anyone among you in trouble? "'Let them pray.'" Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the person sick well. The Lord will raise them up. And then it says this, James says this, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is, is powerful and effective. If you want to work on communication, you've got to be considerate. You've got to address the roadblocks. But when the roadblocks come up in your mind and in your heart, you have to be willing to say, I am wrong. Will you please forgive me? And the other person has to make a choice. Will they be like Jesus? Will they forgive? And then the next piece that I want to offer to you is you have to start praying together. You have to start praying together you want to work on communication it means communicating to the 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 king of kings the lord of lords jesus and it means praying together with your spouse communication with your spouse just like it will be impacted if you're talking to the enemy the same is true in regards to if you talk to jesus about jesus and your spouse and your spouse and about jesus it's going to impact your marriage and i know that in regards to this idea of prayer with your your spouse it's probably one of the hardest things to do. Why? Because it's a war. It's an, it's an enemy that wants to keep you from being one with your spouse. Praying with your spouse is one of the hardest things you will do because of the intimacy that's involved. But the reality is that the scriptures talk about us as believers, and I would argue this applies to our marriage, is you have to confess sin to one another and you have to pray with your spouse. Confession and prayer is an assault on wrong belief systems that you have, and here's the big thing, the condition of your heart. Here's the thing. As a pastor, when I sit down and I counsel people and talk to them about the things that they need to work on and the things that I self-reflect on my own marriage and I have to work on, here's the thing. There are lots of different tools. We even have some of those tools in our home group. Like, use eye language. Like, eye language helps in communication. Don't fix one another. All those different things that maybe you've heard of in counseling. Active listening. Have you guys heard of those things? Raise your hand if you've heard of those things. You've heard of all those things. And they're good tools. But here's the thing. Those tools don't work if your heart isn't humbled before God and to one another. It doesn't work. You want to know? Because I see it in my own marriage. (laughs) Because even if I use I statements, even if I don't fix, the body language of what really is going on in my heart gets translated to my spouse. Are you with me? And they don't hear it. So ultimately, you gotta ask yourself, where's your heart? Where's your heart? And are you willing to start habit number two, which is praying for each other out loud and together? You wanna work on your communication? Your communication stinks? Start praying together. Start praying together out loud and with each other. Because here's the thing nothing humbles you more (laughs) than coming together with your spouse under the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There's something sacred that starts happening when you do that because you begin to realize I've got to humble myself. I'm, I'm talking to Jesus about my wife or my husband. You start praying for each other out loud There's a humility factor that begins To take place Colossians 4 says this Devote yourselves to prayer Being watchful and thankful Do you think that applies to your marriage as well? I think so First Thessalonians Pray continually Except with your spouse Doesn't say that right? Pray continually Give thanks in all circumstances For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus Ephesians 6.8 And pray in the spirit on all occasions Except for with your spouse Doesn't say that on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the lord's people what would it look like if every single day you chose to come together and spend time praying maybe saying well what am i supposed to pray about well it doesn't really have to be a whole lot you guys there are some days where the only thing that I can do is to sit silently and then say, Lord, thank you for my wife. Would you bless her and bless our marriage? Amen, and that's it. And that's it. It doesn't have to be this big thing, something simple, where you just start and you just say thank you. Give thanks in all circumstances that's it as you begin to work on your heart how else would you maybe start praying together with your spouse A couple other next steps that I want to introduce to you next slide dedicated time of the day when there are limited distractions I know for me and Natalie like if it doesn't happen in the morning it's probably not going to happen the rest of the day Okay. Uh, we've got three kids and we're in the midst of it and so it is just non-stop as soon as they get up And so for me, this week, as I'm getting back into the gym, I've got to get back home. I've got to get back home. Because at 6.30, we're praying together. What about you? What is the quiet time for you? Maybe your schedules don't work in the morning. That's fine. We talked about last week. How do you get kids back to bed so that you have time in the evening to sit with your spouse? Number two, hold hands. Some of you might be saying, oh, we're not there yet. I understand. There's moments where now I just want to hold my hands either. (laughs) But we are going to choose to act even though we don't feel like it because we are fighting for oneness within our marriage, amen? So hold hands. Hold hands. Silence is okay. Okay. It's okay. Silence is okay. There are some days where it's just difficult. It's hard. But a commitment to coming together, holding hands, praying for one another, write down your prayer request. Some, for some of you, you go, man, I don't even pray out loud yet. Maybe that's where you're at. I want to encourage you. Maybe write your prayer request down and then read it. It's a start to learning how to communicate with God and communicate with your spouse. Pray for each other. Pray for your marriage. Pray for your church. Some of you might have more obstacles. And some of those obstacles are listed here. Um, It's hard to pray when he or she won't initiate or participate. Here's what I'll just tell you. Um, Both of you need to hold each other accountable to this. But I'm just telling you, husbands, you need to take leadership on this. And if your wife initiates because you won't, enter into it. Hold each other accountable. You might be saying, it feels awkward and I don't like it. That's how most new things are. And things that are good, things that are good usually start off hard and difficult. You might be saying, I feel like our prayers are too shallow. My husband and my wife is a non-believer. Every time we start building a habit, we fail to keep it up. These are all things that are real. And what I want to invite you into is to scan that QR code. There's a, a website called Fierce Marriage. It's an amazing website. And it goes into detail about all these different things that are obstacles to you and your spouse praying together. And these obstacles, they're honest, real obstacles. And there's more detailed interaction on their website about What does it look like to overcome those obstacles? I will tell you this right now. If you were to summarize, big picture, what they say to these obstacles, there are some nuances and some things that you can look at, some tools, but here's the thing. It comes back to the condition of the heart. Will you have endurance to keep leaning in? Do you have endurance to keep trying and keep putting Jesus at the foundation of your marriage? Husbands, what does it look like to be considerate to your wife? And to begin the process of praying with your wife. Wives, what does it look like to forgive when we're not? When we are lazy? What does it look like to continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the midst of our marriages? And let me just say this. If you're here this morning and one of your obstacles is I feel like my husband or I feel like my spouse is verbally, mentally, emotionally abusing me, come talk to me. Come talk to us after church. So we can give you more help. So we can walk beside you and support you and get you to a place of safety because the reality of it is is for all of us like we're all dealing with different stuff but if there's anything that I know it is the church where we come together in real relationship and honesty where we learn how to practice vulnerability we learn how to confess sin it's here on Sunday morning it's in our home groups where we learn how to try these things that Jesus is actually inviting us into So there's just a couple things I, I want you to know. How do we do this? We have to be in relation with one another. This week, I got to spend time with one of our home group leaders. You know what he said to me? He's like, man, my home group's growing. Why is that? They're really opening up vulnerability, transparency. He goes, we didn't even get to the text because so many people were opening up on prayer requests they needed. We spent the majority of our time just praying together. How do we learn how to do this? It's praying together in our home groups. I can guarantee you those marriages are learning how to grow in intimacy because they're learning how to do it in their home group, amen? That's what we're called to do. And so lastly, I just want to invite you into this reality. We're going to do something a little bit different today. And that is this, is after we get done with service today, I'm just going to hang out up here. And a couple of our other leaders are just going to hang out up here. And if you need prayer over your marriage you need prayer over your life and you're single and you're hurting you miss having a spouse I just want to invite you to come we're going to have the music down a little bit today and we're just going to spend time praying together praying for you I just want to call back to the next steps as we wrap up today as we get ready for communion which one do you want to lean into starting this week What does it look like for you to start communicating well and being considerate of your spouse? And what does it look like to put Jesus more at the foundation of your marriage? And for some of you, that means surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus, believing, confessing, repenting, being baptized into him. As we get ready for communion this morning, if you weren't prepared to take the elements, but you want to take the elements now, and you would like to have them, and you don't have them, just raise your hand, and we'll make sure that bread and juice get, gets passed. We've got someone over here. Let's spend some time with Jesus as we get ready to have communion together.